Well, uh, as a kid, there was something about the 4th of July. I don't know about for you, but for me, it seemed like it was unlike any other day of the year. One, it was the hottest holiday, and uh, the longest. It just seemed like it was a long day with a lot of uh, evening to it. And I remember the whole family uh, being together, and particularly as a kid with aunts and uncles and cousins. I remember cookouts and parades and fireworks and uh, that once a year occasion for homemade ice cream. And uh, I don't uh, ever recall, actually, in thinking back, discussing in detail what the holiday actually meant. It was just implicit, but it came through, uh, maybe somebody said, well, it's our nation's birthday, something like that. But, but, but the event itself, the people, the gathering, the experiences, the sights, the sounds, the smells, and the symbols. I just saw a number of you walked in this morning wearing red. You know, go ahead, Steve, stand up. Go ahead, Jerry, all right. Jerry and Jeannie walked in. Where is she, you know? I mean, they're just, they're just fit for the occasion. Those red pants, you know, they got to get called out and some kind of attention. But uh, symbols of all that is really important to our history. And uh, I want us to think about that, again, as, uh, as uh, our uh, brother that <laughs> did our communion thought this morning, help me out, uh, Dale, thank you, Dale, Woo! oh my goodness, as uh, Brother Dale uh, said, as a jumping off point, and we'll do the same here as we look at this text from uh, the book of Joshua. Joshua, signs to remember the past, to recall what happened the importance of memorials and commemorations and how they have played, yes, a vital role in our history, American history, but a vital role in biblical history. And I suspect are more important to our future, not just to thinking about the past, but to our future than we might realize. And so as we continue this series, step by step, Joshua chapter 4 lays out a sign to be remembered for generations to come. The text in 4.1 says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua. Now this was a time of praise, a moment of praise. You see, what had been promised to Abraham generations before that a land was going to be given was now being realized. And what the nation coming out of Egypt some 40 years before wouldn't do, refused to do, this next generation had the faith to do. To take the promised land. This chapter is about the importance of remembering because it's easy to forget. And when we forget, we lose our way. So in the midst of this crossing of the Jordan, what was God's, what was God's request? And verse 2 says this, 
Choose the 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan and from right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. Okay, are you with me in terms of the story? So verse 1 says they crossed over, but now it's saying that these 12 men are to be out there with the priests who are still in the middle of the river with the Ark of the Covenant, and they're to take a stone. So what actually happened? And I want you to read, read with me, and this is the section that uh, Melanie read. We'll read it again, thinking about this, this uh, crossing over and this taking of these stones that now are to become a memorial. Verse 4. <coughs> Excuse me. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites and one from each tribe and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder. So imagine that. One of the uh, commentators pointed out is going to be about a three-mile walk. To where, they, to where they spent the night in Gilgal, from the middle of that Jordan to Gilgal. So I'm not sure how big that rock was. That'd be quite, a, quite something to lumber that along. Each of you is to take this stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. And here's why. In the future... When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones are to be a memorial. How fitting. Fourth of July for this day, as we think about this spiritual memorial to the people of Israel forever. And so the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them, and they took the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. Getting a little bit repetitive here, making this point, and they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Now, I want us to read one more verse, because this is a quirky little verse, and I don't know if you've ever noticed it in your Bible. But verse 9, and we're not going to delve into it, but verse 9 says this, And Joshua set up 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Most of those who have reflected carefully on this text suggest that, that not only did each of these from one, each of the 12 tribes carry a stone for three miles to Gilgal, but Joshua set up a separate memorial. And he left his memorial in the middle of the river that was dry at that point. Well, that's a whole nother lesson for a whole nother day, but it's just a curious verse. <laughs> that's stuck here in the middle of Joshua chapter 4. All right. 
what do we make of all this? And let's uh, get to the purpose, and we've already laid it out. It's already there in, in verse 6. So clearly, in the future, when your children ask you, what did these stones mean? You see, when they walk by them, what's up with these stones, Mom, Dad? What are you to say? And uh, verse 24 gives us a hint on how to look at this. Now, this is at the end of the chapter, but I want to read uh, one more verse if we've got that text. It says this, He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So you build the memorial, and the first point is obvious. When you tell your children, you don't say, well, I did this, or we did this, or uh, then your uncle or your aunt did this. You say, God did this. By his power, we cross the river. All of us. And God is the point, and God is the subject, and God is the hero. How easy it is to forget this point, even as we remember the memorials. I want to suggest that remembering shifts the focus from ourselves to God's faithfulness. This is why we remember again and again and again to his reliability and his trustworthiness. That the rocks are a testimony that there were some people who agreed with God and said, I'll go along with what God's going to do here. Who followed him, who obeyed, who left what they knew to walk into the unknown, and they stepped into the water, and as the Hebrew writer might say, believing what they could not see. And while the pile of rocks is located in one lonely place, it is not simply a reminder for you or even for your children, but if we go back to that verse 24, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty. This pile of rocks is making a statement to the entire world. And we are missionaries putting into words what these rocks would like to speak and say to the world if they could speak. You see, when the Israelites arrived at the river, it was impassable. It was at flood stage. It was dangerous. It was not fit for crossing. Plus, they were on high alert for those enemy that were in the land. Remember what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the giants. Plus, they had the heavy demands of family and livestock and possessions. 
plus they had the physical demands of descending and ascending the riverbanks and getting across both the old and the young. But by God's grace, they were standing in the promised land, the land of milk and honey, the land promised for generations, the land richer than any that they had ever dreamed, and I suspect that their emotions were off the charts. God's goodness and his faithfulness were overwhelming. And so they made this memorial a sign out of rocks. And not uh, particularly elaborate. They didn't have any books, per se. They had no buildings, no Instagram. They just used 12 rocks, 12 stones taken by 12 men. And you see, the crossing wasn't complete until the men, until the stones had been gathered, and it was only after they had been gathered that the priest then could carry the Ark of the Covenant out of the river, and the waters resumed flowing. Now, what's the goal of all this uh, remembering then for us? And the purpose, as I stated earlier, is not so much to look back or to only look back, but to enable the current generation to find their way forward. We remember so that we can find the confidence to trust God with our next steps. Let's think for a moment before we close this morning on how we might do that. And I hope that you're, I hope that the the, the wheels are turning, the gears are turning in your own mind on how you might do that in your own family. I was thinking about just attending, that is, your very physical presence this morning is a memorial. And I don't know that that has ever been more important to me in all my life than coming out of this pandemic. And again, no, in no way am I trying to minimize those who are watching online and continue to join us online, and we hope that others will, con- will continue to grow our online base. And yet there's something about your physical presence that is a memorial. Don't undervalue the importance of being here. It's significant. Showing up. It's the reason in 1 Peter, you are described as a living stone. You're a living memory. Your presence is sacred and significant. And there is something about the power of our collective presence and assembly that says God is good and God is right and God is true. and God is with us. Now, the second, maybe most obvious memorial, I don't know if that first one was actually the most obvious, but the second one I'd like to point to is partaking in the Lord's Supper. What a memorial. And and, uh, thank you, brother, for helping us through the uh, Lord's Supper this morning and to have that weekly remembrance. I believe this is one of the most valuable 
parts of our tradition. The weekly recounting and recalling. And I know sometimes it might even seem like it gets a little routine and, and uh, can be trivialized. And, and these wafers that were given, these, these have to be the world's worst. I'm sorry, but, but I mean, it's like it, it, they are styrofoam, aren't they? I, they are. I, I, th- I know they're unleavened because they're styrofoam. Okay, but, but they're emblems of remembrance, of a mystery, of what the Lord has done, of the story we're in, of the story we proclaim, of, of how we have been rescued. I, I love this as a part of our tradition because even if the worship leader, even if those doing the praying, and even if the preacher misses the gospel, misses what God has done in his coming and in his death and in his burial and his resurrection, we proclaim it and we remember it as we share in the Lord's Supper together. Not through our own power, but by this creator God. And I love it. I love the fact that we have a tradition here at this church for so many men and women and teens to share in being able to give the communion thoughts and offer those to the congregation, leading us in the communion, in that memorial. To my mind, there is nothing more important than that rehearsal of the gospel. The third point I'd like to make, and that is, that is, I would call it telling. If one is attending and the second one is partaking, then the third is the telling, the telling of your story. And, and uh, to do that with tangible signs, I'd like you to think about how you might do that. Uh, Dale recounted his, his baptism. And I don't know if, Dale, you have any remnants of tangible signs, any pictures, any photos of that day Uh, many, many years ago, or how you might tell that, but how could we incorporate memorials with these most significant events of our lives? I was thinking about this just in terms of my, we just celebrating our 40th anniversary, and uh, one of those was a little vows that we we had together. Uh, We made a little uh, cross-stitch. No, I didn't do it. Who did the cross-stitch, Becky? You did it. You did the cross stitch. Thank you. I should have known she did it. I should have asked her that before I pointed out that I didn't know. But she did this cross stitch of our vows. As husband and wife, our unity will be centered in Jesus. We'll serve each other unselfishly, striving to present the other perfect in Christ. To together, we'll work for the kingdom and raise our family in the way of the Lord. We commit our lives one to another and together share God's eternal love, June 27th, 1981. So 40, just over 40 years ago. Well, we've got another memorial as I think about this and another tangible memorial. And I'll go ahead and put up the next uh, slide. Here is Becky beside the Ming Aurelia. 
And uh, Becky's mom had this little seedling and, and gave us this at our, at our wedding. And it's actually looking pretty good. Well, Becky's looking good too, but the, the Mingarelia's looking great as well. And uh, 40 years into this, we've had to repot it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to see this Mingarelia go another 30 or 40 years and uh, maybe pass it on to the next generation. Supposedly, it can live multi-generations. Again, it's a sign. It's a memorial, a tangible sign of remembering in order to create a future, moving the attention off of ourselves to God's faithfulness, and he'll do it again. Psalm 66 and verse 16 says this, Come and hear, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I would love each one of you to be able to say that with the confidence that I just quoted the psalmist. Gather a group together. Maybe that's kids. Maybe that's your kids. Maybe figuring out what that setting is going to be. Maybe that's in, your, in a huddle group. Maybe it's extended family. It's grandkids. It's great-grandkids to recall what the Lord has done and that he'll do it again. We were together in our huddle group the other day, and uh, Steve Autry was uh, just sharing about uh, telling his story of when he was in high school and his life in South City, St. Louis, was not on a good trajectory. He was not heading in a good direction with his life, and then he made a decision in the middle of uh, somewhere in his early high school years to uh, go to, or maybe his parents helped with this decision, to go to Harding Academy down in Searcy. And he was saying how he was accepted there and how his life took a turn to come under God and to get redirected and to think about the influence that he has had on so many for generations now on account of that conversion in his own story. So just hearing that was a confirmation for those of us who were sitting at that table to hear God's faithfulness in terms of what he has done. I think about my own story and uh, couldn't help but review it a few times this week on account of this lesson and remember uh, driving, uh, having my family take me down from northern Ohio down to Vanderbilt in Nashville and I was, I, was, I was wanting to get away from home. I had drawn a map on a map, and I said, okay, I'm willing to go to any school that's more than 500 miles away from home. That was my criteria. Okay, and Vanderbilt was just a little bit over, over 500 miles, so it qualified. So I was going to get out of there and do what I wanted to do, and I realized well, by the time I got to campus, even on the way down there, I was just lost. I didn't know what I wanted, what my, where my life was headed, what value system, what my identity was going to be. And through God's providence and God's grace, ran into some people very early on in my freshman year who shaped the direction of my entire life. 
can remember very vividly one of the brothers that, uh, that looked at me at, uh, at one point after try- wrestling with, uh, with the gospel and with what I was wanting to do and with life changes for, for, for several weeks. And he looked at me and he just read Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. He said, and he said, well, no, he, he said, I read that to you last week. You know, and I ask you to remember to, to write it down and look at it this week. What's it say? And he asked me. And I said, it says, arise. He says, well, first it says, and now what are you waiting for? Ananias says to Paul, arise. Be baptized. And wash your sins away. What are you waiting for? That was the question. And I could not come up with a good reason to wait any longer. You have your story. I want you to think about memorials, signs, symbols this week, both as they tell of God's faithfulness in the past, but as they become a platform for the next step of your journey and for the next step for the next generation to both remind yourself and others of who God is, what He has done, and who He's called us to be. Will you respond to him this morning?